Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Now, imagine when you opened up that book, it was full of highlights and notes in the margin, and so you could see how this book has transformed someone's heart. This is The Notable Podcast. These are discussions where pastors not only take seriously the biblical text, but they share what they've been underlining and highlighting, all of their notes that help them share the world's most important book and how it's transformed their hearts and how it can transform the hearts of the people you know. This is Season 5, Coming Forth as Gold, a reading of the Book of Job. You're about to hear a conversation between John and Tim Borman, twin brothers, both Christian pastors. Tim is a pastor in Queens, New York, and John is a pastor in Aiken, South Carolina. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support us or hear more, visit NotablePodcast.com. That's N-O-T-A-B-L-E podcast.com. Here's John and Tim. Well, here we are at what you might call the climax of the book of Job. You know, this this has been Job has wanted the Lord to show up and explain it to him. Why, Lord, did this happen? Let me bring my case. And and we saw the Lord come and question Job and, and bring Job and his heart into this laughing creation. We saw that in our last episode. But now the Lord's going to really change tax with Job a little bit. Uh, if we could use like a shipping metaphor, he's going to change tax and bring Job to consider really two in- incredible uh, creatures in the Lord's creation. One is, is behemoth. And, you know, just to be honest, we're not going to spend a lot of time on behemoth and then he's going to spend the most time actually and this is what the lord thought would be most healing most uh wisdom giving for job it would be for him to consider um leviathan leviathan and i'm i'm just going to throw out some options up uh, <laughs> exegetes and, and commentators and, and, and scholars and um bible readers has struggled with this you know what what are and it's kind of fun to think about what is the lord referring to is it some people give this option you know maybe it's meaningless poetic hyperbole like it's this um mystical uh dragon that that the lord can can sort of lead around you know um like it's a Disney, or it's a dramatized yeah. crop. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a Disney. It's, it's a poetic crocodile thing. <laughs> like it's it's a how to tra- train your dragon <laughs> kind of thing. Um, by the way, cool cool movie, cool movie. But you no, know, right? It's it's this isn't. <laughs> Uh, I can't. Um, <laughs> you don't like that well, option, Timothy? No, it's not a dramatized croc, and it's not. A, it's not <laughs> some sort of fantastical dragon. Like, why would a fantasy world be helpful to Job at this point? You know, like. <laughs> so you're already <laughs> denying some of the interpretations. 
<laughs> it's not a dramatized crock, and it's not a. It's not like a Dungeons and Dragons. No, right? yeah, I. <laughs> the Lord, uh, he's not Tolkien, right? He's, <laughs> he's, he's not doing, you know, a Game of Thrones kind of thing. And 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 by the way, you know, we could probably say that I, I haven't watched that, but I I have heard of it. <laughs> so no, it's not it's not a, a meaningless poetic hyperbole. It's it's just not. You are cracking <laughs> me up right now. <laughs> M- mythological monsters, like that's another option people throw out. Like, um, is is Job is the author of Job referring to Bigfoot or um, the Loch Ness monster? Uh, that has become so uh, mythologized in our own culture today. Um, no, you know, like the Lord's not talking about Bigfoot or <laughs> the Loch Ness monster. Uh, another, but I mean, Timothy, you, you bring up a valid point. Like people get interpretive crazy with Leviathan. Interpretive, and maybe by the end of this, people are going to think we are, but. But uh, you can go on YouTube and on the internet and Google Leviathan and you'll find 800 interpretations and all of them different than the next one in different ways. And, and uh, it, it goes to show that interpreting Leviathan, you have to come at it with a sober mind, uh, but also with humility. The book of Job is difficult to interpret, and here we are, you know, kind of wrestling with that a little bit right now. Right, and so I'll, I'll toss out another couple options, and then, Jonathan, I want you to weigh in. I, um, another option would be an extinct animal. So uh, I, I've been to um, the natural history museum here in new york and and by the way i don't like the word natural we 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 went we went off on that last time a little bit but you can go through there and see some pretty cool dinos like man t-rex is there and 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 you have these sort of incredible animals Uh, could could be joe be referring to a dino Maybe, <laughs> you know, that I would, it, it, that sounds more plausible than the first two options that we, that we threw out. Uh, I'm not aware that TX was able to breathe fire though. So, mm, could it, could it be? Yeah. What's, what's all going yeah, on I, I, So these are, these are possibilities people that, do go that there people to be, throw I, out. You know, just building on that, I got into a texting uh, conversation with somebody who was they they this person was leading a Bible study uh, at another church, and they knew that we were that I was doing a lot of work on Job, and started texting me about this. You know, uh, they were in this Bible study, and apparently in the Bible study, people were sort of enamored with this idea that, uh, and hey. Here's a here's a chapter of the Bible that proves that we got dinos on our hands. Um, 
that's that's a way that people people look at Leviathan. Is that is that legitimate? You know, I, look, I I will I'll issue up this caution. And when we interpret the Bible, it's it's important that we interpret the Bible without an agenda. You know, if we even a good agenda, like there's a it's a very good thing to want to. Uh, have proof for God's creation, you know, because God's God's creative ability has been under attack for you know, for ever since Darwin, arguably, and probably before that in ways that I I, I don't know about. But uh, it, so it's easy then to turn to the Bible and try to make a case for God's creative ability and say, oh yeah yeah, we can prove dinosaurs from the Bible and. And um, maybe you can. I'm, I'm not saying that interpretation's definitely wrong, but what I am saying is uh, we don't want to come to the Scripture with an agenda. We just want to read what it says and receive it from, from God's hand. And what, what I do know about Job is that it wasn't written uh, to prove the existence of dinosaurs. You know, it's, it's, it's written to help us define wisdom um, in our suffering to help us reconcile to God and understand what he's up to in our lives. And so that's my caution is um, if don't go to Job 41 with an agenda and, and make it say what you want it to say, but rather just receive what it says. And I'm, I'm trying to, I, I have to struggle with that as much as the next person is, so I'm humble with it. But, but yeah, so that's, that's, an, that's a way that people Yeah, and so this. I, I kind of want you to, I know you have, thought a lot about you know who is leviathan and and you know in some ways it matters because we want to see the healing that that the lord had for job in this identification i don't think job struggled with knowing who leviathan was he knew it otherwise it wouldn't have been you know healing for job but why don't you just lead us through where you're at uh in this moment with leviathan always remembering like the humility that we bring to understanding this this um well and i'm particularly humble with this one like like the the great christian jerome said that and some of you are going to like this metaphor and some of you won't but he said job is like an eel because it's so slippery and it really is so i have a great deal and so i'm going to tell you where i'm at in interpreting leviathan and then um, hey, call me up, text me, write me, um, help me understand Joe better if if I'm going to get this wrong. But, you know, you you, you have basically um, three basic options. You can say, look, what we have on our hands is a, is a dramatized crock. Um, to me, that interpretation of Job, like this, this hyperbolic presentation of a crocodile from the Nile, um, leaves a lot to be desired uh, because... Uh, crocs don't spit fire. Um, that's that's one thing that I know for sure. And it's difficult for me to envision a crocodile as the king of creation, which is basically what, what the Lord is saying is, I've conquered, I'm above, I can harpoon and lead around like, like a child, uh, this, this, uh, this beast, this Leviathan. And it's difficult for me to envision a crocodile as that. Um, secondly, 
there's the dino theory, uh, uh, and there are different versions of this, right? Like this is some sort of prehistoric beast. It's difficult for me to accept that interpretation because why would the Lord show up to Job and say, look, I've, I've tamed the beast, I've tamed Leviathan, uh, and as if that would impress Job when it's a beast that Job simply has never seen before. See, because Job lives after the flood. And the flood, you know, the best theory we've got is that the flood would have wiped out uh, any kind of prehistoric beast, right? And so Job never would have experienced this kind of animal. He would have experienced uh, the creatures that we've experienced. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that the Lord would say, look, I, I conquered Leviathan and Job's scratching his head going, and, and what's that? You know, clearly in the book of Job, uh, Job has had experience with Leviathan, um, which is why he invokes Leviathan and more than, and different synonyms for Leviathan on, on more than one occasion. So, so, so there's that. Uh, it, it just there, there, there. What seems to be happening here then is we've got, we've got this Leviathan that is basically in a category of its own, Timothy. Like it's. It's, it's an animal, but it's not an animal, you know, is what you got going on. It's a creature that's, that's, that's more than a creature, is, is what seems to be going on here. And so this, the interpretation that I got is that uh, is, uh, it might be Satan. <laughs> I'll just say it. It might be Satan. And I want to give you seven reasons why I think that this might be a poetic, sort of a poetic, uh, metaphorical description of of Satan. All right. So uh, number one, what what is the big problem in the book? Let's just look at this from a big big perspective. What is the real problem in the book of Job? I'll tell you what the real problem is in the book of Job. Satan is. <laughs> you remember that? This is now we're back to Job one and two. What's the problem in the book of Job? Everything was going great. We had pre-trauma Job, right? What changed that? Satan did. Secondly, uh, what's what's the big problem in 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 human life, right? Like, let's go to Genesis for a second. Everything was going great. What changed that? <laughs> yeah, the temptation, right? Yeah, Satan did. And look, we bear responsibility for that. I'm not. I'm not saying indifferently, but the problem in the book of Job is Satan. And it, you can't, it's very, very difficult for me to imagine a scenario in which Satan just disappears from the book without, you know, he scuttles like a crab off the beach. Do you remember I, you said that and that metaphor kind of stuck with me when we talked about how uh, Job faced down the temptation in Job chapter 2. Uh, but he, 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 is he just gone from the book then? And it's like, it's like watching a movie with no resolution is what happens there. There's no resolution then because Satan's just out there wreaking havoc. Uh, so it makes a whole lot of sense to me as we interpret the book and we get to the end of the book and we get to the climax of the book that God, that the Lord is going to do something with Satan. Okay. Does that make sense? So that's point number one. Number two, you look at the wider usage of the word Leviathan 
both in Job and in the Bible. And if you read, if you read Leviathan, and go back to our episode on Job chapter three, and there I lay out how Job uh, develops Leviathan in the book. Uh, but you can also look at more widely in the Bible, and it does seem like there's something more going on there with Leviathan. There's something more. Uh, you can look at Psalm 87, for example, or uh, Isaiah 27, for example, I think is where that's at. Uh, there seems to be something more going on with Leviathan, a, a power behind him. And so that's, that's point number two. What is that power, um, we could ask. That Stop me at any time, Timothy, if you want to build on anything I'm saying. And that brings me to, to point, point number three. Um, both Behemoth and Leviathan uh, seem, they both have sort of hyperbolic characteristics. Behemoth is in Hebrew a majestic plural, and it does seem to be like a beast uh, par excellence, I guess you could say. It's like the beast of all beasts, and which... That, that uh, brings me to uh, number four, which is that beasts are in the Bible all over the place. You can think of Revelation, you could think of Daniel, and in every single case, and in, uh, I shouldn't say it that strongly, but in, often in cases there's more going on with the beasts in the Bible. And it's, so it, it's not hard to go to a place where you understand there's something more going on with this beast um, in particular. And that brings me to uh, point uh, number five, and that's that this is, by the way, I don't think this is like a super strong point, but it's helpful to me. And I'm just sharing with you and our listeners what's kind of got me to where I'm at right now. And, and that's that um, whenever I hear really solid Bible interpreters go to a place, um, that helps me know that I'm not off on a ledge somewhere. And uh, Martin Luther interpreted Leviathan as uh, Satan. And um, you want to know how I know that? Because <laughs> he, he, uh, he quotes it in the great hymn, Timothy. Did you know I that? I did not know that. Like, what does he say? Yeah. He says in the great Reformation hymn, Almighty Fortress is our God, he quotes Job chapter 41, and he says, he's, when he talks about Satan, um, he's, he says, nothing on earth is its equal, and that's a quote from, from uh, Job chapter 41, and he applies that directly to Satan, and so while it, that's not, you know, okay, Martin Luther is a phenomenal, phenomenal person to look to to understand the Bible. You know, many people say he was an Old Testament professor. Um, I mean, we're still discovering nuggets of gold from his, his lectures on Genesis. I mean, the guy knew his Old Testament, and so he's quoting Job chapter 41, applying it specifically to um, Satan. And, uh, you know, anybody who runs in the Protestant uh, I know the Lutheran tradition for sure, the Lutheran church, uh, is going to have sung this hymn and applied these words directly to Satan. So it's not a, it's not a far leap to do that. Um, and, and then there's probably other points we could make, uh, but this is, this is helpful to me. 
is to understand that in Genesis chapter 3, we have the same sort of circumstance. Um, you have a snake that shows up, and the snake talks. And to my understanding, <laughs> to my understanding, I've never once heard a Christian wonder too much what's going on with that snake. <laughs> and part of that's just because we have the rest of the Bible to interpret it, right? Like we find out it's Satan. But nobody sits there and does zoology on the thing. You know, nobody's like, was it a boa or an anaconda? You know, like <laughs> this is not this is not what we get worried about when it comes to Genesis chapter three. And to some extent, I guess that's what I'm saying with Job chapter 41 is uh, we can get excited about the zoology of the thing, but we shouldn't probably stop there. Um, we should probably uh, read into it a little bit farther. And then here's my last point, and then I'm done. The last, the last verse says about Leviathan, it looks down on all that are haughty. Now, just, just think about that for a second. What is the beast above all beasts that look, it's so prideful that it looks down on every other prideful thing? Uh, here's what, the last thing. It is king over all that are proud. That's the last verse of, of Job chapter 4. What is that thing? What is the thing in this world? It's the, 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 the Apostle Paul uh, would say the prince of the air, right? And now I mean Ephesians, but who's king over all that's proud? Who's the real king of, of this world? Um, just think about that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting sort of interpretive conundrum. You know, you you want to say to the author of Job, like, why, why, why don't you just help us out a little bit more here? You know, it, if you want us to see Satan, why don't you just call him Satan? You know, why not? Why do you leave us sort of uh, kicking in the mud trying to figure out what what is this Leviathan and it's sort of it, as soon as we walk up to it and, and we want to put our arms around it as exegetes as commentators as Bible readers it sort of disappears like it's missed like we just can't quite pin it down and and maybe that's okay maybe Maybe that's okay because, you know, we, we have to move into what is the Lord doing for Job in this oracle? What, what does he want to move Job to? And, you know, that, that part of it is not a mystery. <laughs> that's he, not a mystery He wants to take the yeah. king, uh, the, the, the thing, the creature that has no equal on earth that Martin Luther called Satan. He, he wants to take that thing and, and show that he's tamed it. That he has complete and utter domination Dominance. over, over yeah. this thing. Like, like a, a little girl who's leading around a puppy. You know, like, this, is, this thing, this, this Leviathan is nothing for the Lord. And 
can you pull in Leviathan with a fish hook? <laughs> God goes, God goes fishing for this thing. You know, the biggest monster in the sea is a rubber ducky to the Lord. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's just a rubber ducky. Like the biggest problems in your life, God can kick them around like they're nothing. He can lead it around like like a child. Can you? I love this verse five. Can you make a pet of it like a bird? <laughs> yeah, like he, isn't he that just, great imagery? He, Put it on a leash for the young woman. Well, young that's what I was saying. I was like, like can just you do lead that? it around, be like, oh, nice little puppy, nice little puppy. <laughs> yeah, I know. This Leviathan, yeah, it's powerful, powerful imagery. And uh, can can I put? I want to get. I want to get really like personal and pastoral here in a second, but I. One one last interpretive move I want to make here is um, when you see that God, that the Lord is Lord, even of Leviathan, of the biggest monsters in our lives, the worst things that can happen to you in all of creation, when, when the Lord is, is the Lord of all the chaos and the mess, and that's what he's saying to Job, like, Job, all of the pain, all of the awfulness that that that's happened in your life i'm king of that um when you realize that it 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 makes you humble see uh, one of the things i i I was thinking about this this the last word of this chapter is proud and one of the one of the worst things that we can do in our suffering is be proud you know what pride does in us is it makes us anxious about our lives pride is saying i have to control what's happening what happens next because nobody's going to do else is going to do it for me pride is saying i have to predict what's coming next pride ruins us not only that that was also the problem with the friends timothy eliphaz bildad and zophar right what was their problem they were proud they were like job we're better than you you need to repent they were proud they thought they knew what was happening in job's life they were proud so it makes you a bad sufferer and it makes you bad to suffer when you're proud we are a part of uh, the problem of pride and what happens is when we get low and of course now I'm getting into Job chapter 42 when we get low and we get humble then we can receive the Lord's what I this is what I would call redemptive activity see this is this because this is different like Leviathan's a bad guy it's a bad creature say what you want about you know identify Leviathan however you want um, do it carefully, exegetically, biblically, all of those things. But I go, you know, interpret it. You know my interpretation where I'm at right now. Go there um, and, and, and do that carefully. But but understand, this is redemptive activity. God is saying, I'm going to get you out from that bad that bad situation, that Leviathan-like thing. So this is what separates it from. The creational oracles, right, of of Job 38 and 39. Uh, Here we got Job 40 and 41, and God is saying, I'm going to get you out from the greatest beasts on earth. I'm going to save you from them. And Job understood it that way, too. I mean, the first things, the first words out of his mouth, having considered Leviathan, is, I know you can do all things. It, you know, it kind of re- reminds me of yeah. It there you go. Reminds me of like <laughs> yeah, you know, right. uh, wow, Martha standing before Jesus and 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 her making almost uh, the exact 
confession. I know that you can, you can raise him from the dead. I know that. You know, I. You can do all things. You can John dominate yeah. Leviathan. You can throw Satan down for me if we're going to go with that interpretation. And you know what? We need a God like that. We we need a a God who can flex His arm, and everything 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 is small to Him. It's easy for Him to to um, confront our our enemies that are just too big for us. Mm. Mm. this is can i can we just do some i want to get into this like really personal applications of this of this of this teaching here in job 41 because i think this is just so helpful you know some sometimes in life i would say what you need is a compassionate jesus you know you you've gone sometimes what we've done we've gone out in our lives we we've sinned we've 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 put ourselves in a hole we we've become addicted we've we've done terrible things and when when it's when it's us and and when it's on us and and we've done it to ourselves and we've sinned and we've done wrong we need the compassion of Jesus we need we need him to come close to us to forgive us to to be next to us and um, not abandon us when we've done it to ourselves but one thing that I've learned Timothy is uh in in pastoral ministry in my own soul is that um it's one thing to have a need to be forgiven and to be justified like that it's another thing to be vindicated and job needed to be vindicated he hadn't sinned so to speak right he was blameless we found out in job chapter one um, and then that gets repeated he was blameless and something he suffered a great injustice. Job was, in a sense, a very real victim. And when you've been a victim, and when somebody has been victimized, sometimes what you need is... Not even you know, sometimes. You don't, you don't, like, you, you don't, always what you need yeah, is vindication. Yeah. Is the Lord's power. You need his power. You need his might. You, you don't need a compassionate Jesus. You need a you need a sovereign Jesus. You need a powerful Jesus. And sometimes we don't we don't understand this. Well, I, I, there's a I was there was a, a situation I had in, in my life where I, I got a, a chance to to hear somebody's story, and it was just a it was a horrible story of abuse. And and um, the, he was involved with a a, a, a Christian organization that um, prayed with him. And, and asked him to envision himself in his moment of abuse and Jesus crying in the corner. This sort of impotent Jesus. And this, sometimes this is a popular therapy these days, like to imagine that Jesus is crying with you in your pain. And it, the, the response to that said, this person said, it, was, it got worse. It got worse to imagine this, this Jesus who didn't do anything. When when I was in suffering, when I was in pain. This is not the Jesus of Job chapter 41. This is not the Lord of Job chapter 41. This is not an impotent God. You know, this, this is a redemptive God. This is a sovereign God. This is a powerful God. This is a God who when you've been, when Leviathan in your life has come and hurt you, that he's going to come and he's going to set it right. 
He's going to lead it around like a puppy. You know, and sometimes, I, I think sometimes, like, we go through life and, and, and it's just good. You feel empowered. You feel like you can make an impact in the world. And you live your life that way. And then something happens, you know, you, you get caught up and you realize, no. There are some situations that you, you get into and you have to say, like, I was not in control of that situation. That happened to me. Mm. That happened to me. And I had no control over it. It, it could be, you know, it could be um, uh, a physical thing or an emotional thing where it came at you and there was literally you were unprepared or you didn't have the strength or you know it was a corporation and it happens to you and you they just yeah, ran you you over, look at your resources you know? and and your your spiritual emotional uh physical resource and you're like you know what there's there's nothing there was nothing that i could do i i got ran over and and so that's what happened to joe that Satan comes at him, and he just—he just—it's like a—it's like a ram truck, just boom. Um, he leveled him, and and what do you do in life? What do you do, like Timothy? What do you do when you when you've just been like your life has been ravaged? What do you do? Like you can collapse into a nervous heap. You can shut the door, never go out of your house. You can, uh, or just as bad, you can go out of your house bitter and angry right that you can shut down your life or you can live your life bitter and angry that's because that's what victimhood does to you right you get angry you get bitter um how does the christian find a spiritual and emotional resource to when you've been run over um and victimized to uh, believe again and have confidence again, and have hope again. How do you do that? I would suggest to you, Job 41 is your answer. You believe in the power of God. You believe, finally, that you are not going to end up a victim, even though you are one right now. That's what you believe, that uh, that that God can take uh, something horrible like happened to Job and turn it around into something good, and therefore you won't be a victim anymore. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes so much of this, you know, we talk about living by faith, and so much of this is living by faith. We believe that God is just. We, we don't believe that in injustice. We, we believe that God is just. Sometimes it's going to take time for God to call this power in your life that, that violated you or that... Um, made you feel like a victim but the time will come when all of these things will come to light and maybe it'll be on judgment day where god will call these people to account but that day is coming god is a god who acts in the interests of his people we know that we believe that and god's gonna end up putting a fish hook through their nose I love that imagery. I mean, let me, can I 
build on that a little bit more because I, I, I just think this is this is just so important um, even even if this isn't Satan and what what I do know about the Lord is that he's he's Jesus and the Lord Jesus entered this I got mark on my mind because I've been reading mark lately but the Lord entered into this world into our chaos and he fought the chaos monster you know that's what he he put satan down those demons went running all of the all of the pain and the suffering that that satan put into this world uh, when when he started to tempt eve and then eve fell all of it is something that jesus the lord jesus came and that he reversed and satan is the one he thought that he was going to swallow Jesus whole with his chaos and his blackness and his darkness and his pride. And he thought, I think maybe Satan thought he had done it until Jesus <laughs> took the fish hook and split, you know, the great chaos monster's gut by rising from the dead. Uh, he, he took Leviathan and he killed him, you know, the ultimate Leviathan, Satan, and he put a stake in his head. Um, and we believe that Jesus finally is going to lead us to that same place where he's going to stand victor over all of Satan's schemes and all of Satan's power. And all I'm, all I'm trying to do right now is lead, this is the climax of Job. This is the great redemptive hope that we have. And uh, all I'm trying to do is, is get myself there, uh, get our listeners there, and just, just meditate on this. I want to close. I want to close with this. <laughs> In the, the, the great hymn, "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God," says this. There's a line in it where Luther very poetically says, "One little word can fell him. One little word can fell him." And historians will kind of say they'll, they'll come back and they'll say. What's the little word? And they're probably right. You know, I, I'm going to not be a historian for a second. They're probably they're probably right when they say that the little word is liar. That's the little word. And this is not historically accurate, probably what I'm going to say. But but when I sing that hymn, when I think about that hymn, what's the little word that can foul Satan? I think it's Jesus. I think it's Jesus because when I hear Jesus. I hear about his redemptive power, his power over sin and, and Satan, hell. And that's what gives us hope. Finally, Jesus does. Thanks for listening to The Notable Podcast. Check out our other seasons to hear other people sharing their notes and highlights. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support us or hear more, visit NotablePodcast.com. That's N-O-T-A-B-L-E podcast.com. Thanks for listening.